Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. Gonna push tempo here. The Pelicans. Hold that follow through. He posed. That's right. This is what takes you to another level. What the Pell is up, everybody? This is Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans with your host Elliot Clough at Elliot Clough on the Twitter. And before we get started. Make sure if you're listening on Apple Podcasts, you subscribe and leave a rate and review on Apple Podcasts or wherever else you happen to be listening. You can also hit follow and and leave that rate and review if it gives you the option to do so. Folks, we got a loaded podcast ahead of us today. And, you know, (laughs) it's going to be hard to follow our last one considering we had the color analyst for the Pelicans, Antonio Daniels on our last podcast, which was pretty damn dope. I'm not going to lie. 13-year NBA vet and NBA champion Antonio Daniels brought it. It was very, very fun. We talked all things Pels, how they're going to replace their head coach, and so much more. If you missed it, go check it out. But like I said, we got a loaded podcast today to go forward, so you don't want to miss today's show either. We're coming off last week where we found out that the Pels will for sure have that 13th spot in this year's NBA draft coming up in October. Unfortunately, Lightning did not strike twice, and the Pels did not get a top-four pick with having just 1.2% chance of winning the first overall pick. But the Pels were projected to get that 13th spot, and that's where they ended up. You know, it's not the craziest thing in the world. Also, this year's NBA draft definitely does not have a Zion or a Ja Morant to it. Probably going to be Anthony Edwards, LaMelo Ball are going to be the class of this draft. I really like Onyeka Kungwu, but there's, like I said, there's just no bona fide star coming out of this year's draft. There's no guy that's like a Jason Tatum or, or anything like that. So this isn't the biggest deal in the world. I mean, obviously, it's better to have the fourth spot than the 13th and and so on, and even in terms of trade value, which we'll get into. But Pels are sitting at 13. They all, they've also got the 39th, 42nd, and 60th pick in the second round of this year's NBA draft. They'll, so they'll have an opportunity to get a draft and stash guy, more than likely, unless he comes to camp and, and surprises the living hell out of him, one of these three guys that will possibly come in that second round and assuming that the Pels don't package those picks and move up or or what have you. But much like a D.D. Luzada kind of guy who Luzada could be around this coming year uh, or he could be stashed again. We're expecting him to be around that 6'5 guard who played in Australia this last year. And, and Pels fans are very excited about D.D. Luzada 
and for good reason. But basically what you're going to be looking at in that 39, 42, 60 range is somebody like that. Yeah. Now, as far as the rest of the lottery order, if you haven't heard, I don't blame you. This is, you know, typically on this podcast when I say, if you haven't heard of whatever, you must be living under a rock. But in this of the playoffs, it's not, there There wasn't a buildup of anticipation. There wasn't, ooh, I wonder what team's going to get Zion, you know, no, nothing like that. So it was kind of swept under the rug and really only talked about by teams that are in the lottery. So as far as how the rest of the ping pong balls fell for this year's NBA draft, it was a little bit shocking towards the top. Minnesota getting the first overall pick, followed by the Golden State Warriors at two. Charlotte Hornets getting some luck, which doesn't usually happen with that franchise, heading up there to number three, followed by the Bulls, the Cleveland Cavaliers, the Hawks, the Pistons, <laughs> the Knicks, uh, the Knicks at eight, which just, uh, you know, I talk about the Hornets getting a break, and the Knicks just can't get a damn break. <laughs> you know, I heard a story today, or it was like a tweet from NBA on ESPN, or it might have been a different affiliate, saying that the Knicks are highly interested in Donovan Mitchell. Like, okay, how are you going to get him? How is that going to happen? Why would he want to go there? Why would the Jazz make a trade for anybody on your roster to go to Utah to get rid of their arguably their best player between him and Rudy Gobert? Come on. And then the Wizards at 9, followed by the Suns at 10. Spurs at 11 for the first time they've been in the lottery in 20-plus in years. The Kings at 12. And then the Pelicans at 13, followed by the Celtics getting their pick from the Grizzlies in that 14th spot. So some chips fallen in favorable ways for the Timberwolves, the Hornets, and... Uh, yeah, that's pretty much it. Other than that, it, it kind of went how we all expected it to. You've got to project that the Warriors will trade their pick and, and maybe the Timberwolves as well, considering they've got D'Angelo Russell and Cat on their roster going into this coming year, and, and God knows what the Warriors are going to do. That's a class act of an organization, so God knows what, what's going to happen. And considering the lack of depth and star power in this year's NBA draft, it's not likely that they'll stick in that spot. And if they do, they'll draft somebody and trade them, more than likely, unless they think Anthony Edwards has an extremely high ceiling or LaMelo Ball can play alongside Steph Curry, and I just don't necessarily see that happening. So not a whole lot of intrigue going into this year's lottery, not a whole lot of star power, but it'll still be fun. I mean, it'll be in, in October when I don't know that NBA games will be going on at that point in time. I have to look at the schedule, but it'll be good for Pels fans. It'll build some excitement during this offseason and during this time that has been pretty disappointing as the Pels didn't make the playoffs as they went two and six in the bubble. And it'll build a little bit of excitement in New Orleans and maybe the Pels will trade the pick. Ooh, and we'll get into that at the bottom of this episode as well. But for right now, so the, I mean, the Pels are a 13. We, we've talked about their needs a lot on this podcast. I've tweeted a poll out about what the Pels need the most this offseason, and we've talked about it the most in terms of free agency rather than in the draft. For the NBA, it's really 
for me, I find it tough to evaluate players. I find it tough to say that's a guy who can step in and fill a role because the NBA is just a completely different game than college basketball. It's much easier in, in my mind's eye to evaluate NFL prospects and to watch film and say that's going to translate and that's going to work. I, I just feel like, I mean, there's a reason there's only two rounds in the NBA draft and there's these small rosters and you have to be able to do so much. We talked about it on this last podcast, the AD saying that there's four guards and one center on the floor at a time and maybe a forward instead of a, instead of a center. Uh, that is less skilled and more of a rebound and play defense, rim protector kind of guy. So knowing what you need in that grand scheme of things, it's just hard to narrow down where guys are going to fit. Rosters are flipped on their heads so frequently in the NBA. It's tough to really put a finger on what guys are going to translate and what guys aren't. Uh, at least for me, you see the upside. I think that's a that's. I mean, I don't think I know that's a big part of the first round of the NBA draft. If you don't have a ton of upside, you're probably not going to go in the first round. And if you do, it's going to be towards the end of the first round, like a Kyle Kuzma, like a Josh Hart, who both went to the Lakers just a few years ago, and we know obviously Hart's in New Orleans now. But it's tough. It's tough. If you've ever followed if any of my other shows before Clough and Q Sports Talk or or Next Man Up, you know that I love watching film for, for NFL prospects. And it's just hard comparatively to the NBA and the NBA draft. So for that reason, we're going to be having another guest come on and, and help us out with this on Wednesday's podcast. And I'll let you know who that is at the bottom. But we know what the needs are for the Pels. We know what, well, <laughs> as the roster currently sits. And again, we don't know what it's going to look like two, three months from now, but what we have in front of us is clear. There's there's some clear needs. There's some positions that will likely need it to be filled this offseason because players will be moving on, but <clears throat> those positions are ones that we talked about a lot. This first one, so much is to be made, and I have made of this position, is the 3 and D wing. That's a position that the Pels really need to address in free agency, in my mind's eye, to get a guy like a Mo Harkless, like we've talked about a lot. But there's still the upside in this year's NBA draft, and I think around that 13th spot, the Pels can get a guy that could be the future of that position. While I still think they should go into free agency and get a guy for the mid-level exception, or maybe if they have some more cap space, get a guy for a little bit more expensive or a little bit higher deal, a little bit more money. I think getting a guy who you can put on your bench and say, we are looking to you in the future and you've got a lot of opportunity to learn right now. I mean, this team is young, so it just doesn't hurt to, to grab a guy at that 13th spot, especially if you feel like you're getting the most value for that three and D position. So there's five guys that I've listed here that are either shooting guards or small forwards. One of them is actually a power forward, according to ESPN. But the first one that I've listed that we talked about in March or April, whatever it was the last time we talked about the NBA draft, was Isaac Okoro, the 6'6 guard, 225 pounds out of Auburn. He has a ton of room to grow offensively. He is pretty young, 
He's often tasked with guarding the other team's best player when he was at Auburn. I love that 6'6", 225 size. It's beefy. It's it's still tall enough and, and it has that wingspan enough to guard some of the bigger guys. Obviously, you're looking more for... When you're thinking about height, you're preferring the 6'7", 6'8", 6'9", kind of guy. But Okoro, a guy who is going to be a stand-up, strong 6'6 guy. So if you're going to get a 6'6 guy for this position, that's the type of size that you want to have. Apparently his approach to the game is like that of a Josh Hart, but a higher, much higher ceiling for Okoro. He's shown touch offensively. He hasn't shot the greatest in his tenure with, with Auburn, but he does attack the rim with purpose. He's shown skill ball handling wise and in terms of scoring. So the one thing that is very clear in terms of his place to grow is shooting just 29% from three and 67% from the free throw line. But you like that size and stature out of Okoro from Auburn. The second guy in this list of five of three and D wings is Patrick Williams out of Florida State. You're looking at that 225 weight, but 6'8 height for Williams in this uh this wing position. So this is definitely size-wise one of the more ideal guys at this 3 and D position. So he could guard the 3 and 4 and he's got a 7-foot wingspan, classic Florida State size. He's got a nice touch in his jump shot and he did shoot 84% from the free throw line in 2019-2020. Williams is also one of the youngest guys in this year's NBA draft class and another product that could easily, easily grow. I like this tweener, this 3-4 guy, and he's a guy who can play small ball center if you want him to. If you want to stick with small ball and you want to put a different guy out there besides Zion to play the five, or you want to switch him out for Melly in a, in a small ball sort of situation and you still want Zion at the five because of his size, I think Williams can fit that role really, really well. The one downside that sticks out for me for Williams is that youth. The game can get a little fast for him at times, and turnovers can come in a situation like that. And Pels already have enough turnovers, let's be honest. But Williams, I really like that size. It's definitely the ideal size for a guy that you want in that 3 and D sort of position. Devin Vassell, a 6'6", 180 guy from Florida State, is, I mean, it, it's, it's classic. It's that seven-foot wingspan, kind of, kind of, not necessarily a twig, but definitely skinny, uh, is that Florida State kind of, uh, it, it's their archetypal sort of guy that they grab. They just have a ton of 6'8", 6'6", 6'7", 6'9", guys who are just really long. That's just classic Florida State. But and, and also plenty of potential defensively. That's just the way they roll with, with these type of guys. Shot 41% from three this last year, 41.7% to be exact, on 168 attempts from deep. So definitely bringing that potential from shooting. But again, size is actually a little bit of a concern for Vassal. He's the one guy that I've talked about and that I will talk about for these next two as well, where size is a bit of a concern. Obviously, you like that he's 6'6", but what you don't like is that he's 180. Because of that small size, you're going to think he's probably going to play defense on, on a guard, on, on a shooting guard, on a power forward, sorry, power forward, point guard, 
and maybe a small forward here and there if he can get lined up across a guy who's another small, small kind of uh, small forward, skinnier small forward. So defensively, I mean, if the Pels trade Drew Anzo or Drew Orzo this offseason, I could see the desire to grab him at three. He's going to be an improvement from the three-point line. Hopefully that'll transition well from the college ranks. And then defensively, again, he's he's really long, but he is skinny. That's the problem. Just 180 standing at six foot six. Another shooting guard out of this year's class is Josh Green from Arizona. 6'6", 210. The former Wildcat, is a, he's a grit and grind kind of player. He's really just stick his nose in there and, and get his job done offensively and defensively to make plays. He's clearly gotten tougher in his basketball career as he's continued to to age and, and move forward in his basketball career. He's great feet defensively and great quickness in terms of lateral movement. He's definitely at his best in terms of offense in the transition game, which is, is good for the Pels lineup that they currently field. And, and, you know, he's good in a lot of areas, but not great in any one, unfortunately. He doesn't stand out in one way or another, but he does bring plenty of value in a multitude of positions for this year's NBA draft. Not really another guy who has a a super high ceiling, but he's definitely a grit and grind kind of player. And speaking of grit and grind kind of player, this is a guy that has been brought up a lot, not a lot, but a few times from one specific account on Twitter. I think it's Samuel Stans. He's a guy that follows follows us and, and contributes in, in terms of opinions here and there for us on Twitter, which we greatly appreciate. Sadiq Bey is a 6'8 forward. I think he's a forward. He's either a small forward or a power forward. 216 pound player from Villanova. And, and, you know, it's easy to make these comps, especially considering he went to Villanova. But he's basically just another Josh Hart. I uh, don't necessarily see the high end here. Uh, he isn't another, I mean, it's another, he isn't really great at one thing kind of guy. I wouldn't say he's worth the 13th pick. He'll probably go late first round, early second round. Uh, not necessarily great at one thing kind of guy as well. You look at him and... I really like his size and stature here, too, at 6'8", 216. I think he could be a good defender in the league, but I just don't see the high ceiling. And with that 13th pick, you just got to go for some level of, oh, he could really grow there. Oh, he has the potential. Sadiq Bey doesn't really have that compared to these other guys that we have listed here. Josh Green, another guy that doesn't necessarily have it. So a lot of it, like I said, depends on, on which way you're going to go. With, with this offseason, where you're going to get your free agents, who you're moving off of this offseason. And we're going to hear a lot about that coming forward. But my favorite's probably going to be Patrick Williams, just because of that 6'8", 225 sort of size. I like what we've been looking for is that tweener between the three and four positions. And I think Patrick Williams fits that the best of these five players that we talked about in the three and D position coming from this year's NBA draft. Another position that we haven't necessarily actually talked about a whole lot. I think we talked about it a little bit with AD and we've talked about it 
some with some other guests as well, because it's pretty much been well established that Frank Jackson is not the future of the backup point guard position. So it's the backup point guard position. It's just very clear that, I mean, I just said it, but it's very clear that the Pels are not going to be looking to Frank Jackson to fill this void for much longer. Frank Jackson entering a free agent year, so Pels might be moving off of him this offseason. He didn't show much in the bubble to say this is a guy we want to bring back. He has, I mean, he showed a lot of upside in some specific games, but those are games that the Pels lose or they're the games that they don't matter. He's an effort guy. He's just not a guy that's going to change games or, or fill significant minutes for the Pelicans. And assuming the Pels bring back Zoe, I think they need to get a guy that fills that sort of role. Uh, not a scorer necessarily, but a facilitator. A guy who is always looking to make the pass. A guy who's always looking to lead an offense to get tr to transition to sort of model that, but also learn from Zoe and continue to grow and, and you know be aggressive offensively when they're on the court, play enough defense to, to be able to hold their own on the court. Um, uh, you know, I, Nah just isn't the model that I think the Pels are going for. I think he can become a score first guard. Maybe he gets that role going forward. Maybe... The Pels trade Zoe this offseason? I don't I don't know. I Nas he's an enigma. I, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know what to expect from, from Na going forward. And so with that, there's three guys that I that have stuck out out of this year's class and, and one of them that we've heard get a lot about again on Twitter, not necessarily from me, but or or from people responding to any of our tweets from Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans from at Elliot Clough. It's Killian Hayes from France, 6'5 point guard. And again, I love that size from a point guard, not necessarily from those wing tweener kind of guys, but a 6'5 point guard. And we've seen, I mean, it's starting to become a trend. It's not necessarily constant. We're seeing guys from overseas. I mean, we just saw Luca last night just ball the frick out, get a double bang from Mike Green, which is almost never, it almost never happens. Unless it's an outrageous shot, and that's basically what Luca, what Luca just did, and and of course you're looking at you know Chris Stapps, Porzingis, and you know both Mavs, but but other guys are, are coming from overseas and contributing more or less right away. Not saying that Killian Hayes will definitely be that guy because I mean there's other guys that haven't done that. Sekou Dumbuya has shown some flashes this season with the Pistons, but he's not a star by any means. So Hayes could definitely come in and, and contribute behind ball or maybe even take over the starting position. The thing about Hayes is that he needs to have the ball in his hands. He's good in the pick and roll. And if the Pels can get a coach that's willing to say, we're going to put this ball in the guy's hands and, and we're going to have everybody else run the offense in you know off-ball screens, stuff like that. I think Hayes would be a, a guy that could fill that role. I think his comp is a D'Angelo Russell, and a lot of that is because, well, he needs to have the ball in his hands. He's good in pick and roll. He can also be very dependent on his left hand. 
that sounds pretty damn familiar from one of the Pelicans rookies, doesn't it? Uh, at least he's efficient. Zion is, is really good with that left hand. But Killian Hayes, I think, would be would be a good pickup out of this year's draft, especially at 13. I'd be pretty surprised if he doesn't go sooner than that. And these next two guys are, are fellas that you're going to get in the second round. Definitely not worth taking a first-round bid on these guys. I, I don't see these two going in the first round to anybody else either. So the first one's going to be Nico Mannion out of Arizona. This is a running offense kind of point guard. This is a solid backup behind Lonzo. Do I think he's going to be ready year one? I don't. I, I think that he could have really used a second year at Arizona. I think he really could have used postseason play, but this is a run and offense kind of point guard. He can get trigger happy from time to time, but he is aware and knows how to run an offense. With being trigger happy, he did shoot just 32% from three this year, 32.7% from three at Arizona. But again, if, if Fred Vinson sticks around, I think Mannion has the capability of becoming a more consistent three-point shooter. The other name that would be a great second-round pickup, I think, is, is Cassius Winston. This is a guy, this is a Titus Jones-type guy in my mind's eye. This is a guy who is effective and a leader at the college level, well-known from a big program, and will step in and fill a role of what is needed of him. He will be great in the locker room. He will be a leader. He will say, all right, coach, that's what you want from me. That's what I'm going to do. I love that. That's what the Pels need. This is a DJ Augustine kind of guy as well. This is a guy who is a stud at the college level, won awards, stuff like that, stuck around for a little while was well-known, but it's going to take a step back by moving up to the next level. Not going to be a starter, going to be a, a career bench player, but a good one at that. Going to be, again, great for your locker room. I like Cassius Winston coming to New Orleans. I, again, not in the first round, not in the first round by any means. In the second round, I think that would be awesome. But speaking of DJ Augustine, would not hurt to have him either. There's one big old no at the point guard position, especially at 13, is that is Cole Anthony. That guy has not done much for me this year. I think he dribbles the air out of the ball. I don't think his shot selection is great. He's a scorer. He's not a facilitator. I am not a Cole Anthony guy. I do not want that guy in New Orleans. Best of luck to him, but like that is just not a fit that I think the Pels want going into this coming year. And the third need that has been made quite clear is the need for a center who can protect the rim, rebound, and spread the floor. Do I see the Pels getting that from this class, especially at 13? I do not. A lot of these guys are throwback centers. Vernon Carey, Udoka Azabuki. Those are two big names from this year's NBA draft class, and then there's guys like Isaiah Stewart, Anyeka, Kungwu, and James Wiseman. Wiseman will be a little different. He'll go in the top five. Anyeka, Kungwu will probably go in the top five, maybe the top six or seven, but I don't see the Pels getting either of those guys. Isaiah Stewart isn't necessarily all that intriguing to me, so I think the, the Pels would be better off not taking a center at 13, 
The only guy I really, really like, obviously, you know, James Wiseman would be sick. He was projected to be the first overall pick for the longest time. I freaking love Onyeka Kungwu. Is he what the Pels need? I don't think so. But, I mean, the only way the Pels would get either of these guys is if they were to trade up or, or any other sort of trade is involved. So, you know, I, I just don't. I don't see that happening, and I think the only ways the Pels are the only way the Pels are going to get a guy that they want at that center position that can spread the floor, that can protect the rim, that can rebound, is if they go into free agency or they trade for a guy who's already in the league. It's probably not going to come from this year's NBA draft. And then anybody who can help on D, anybody who can help on Team D, we know Drew is an incredible individual defender. But the Pels really just need to grow off, like just collectively as a, as a team on the defensive end of the floor. That's apparent. I think, again, you refer back to the 3 and D kind of guys like Patrick Williams, like Isaac Okoro, or yeah, Isaac Okoro, Devin Vassell. I, I really like those guys. It's, again, a Josh Hart kind of guy on the defensive end of the floor, I think would be good. Holistically, I'd prefer a higher ceiling on the offensive end. But if you can get that kind of buy-in, if you can get that kind of grit, that kind of I'm going to go after every single play kind of guy, that's very, very helpful. And I'm, I'm looking back at these old rundowns that I put together, and one thing that I put in them was a shot creator. And you can go back and listen to this podcast that we talked about it a lot. It was our podcast with Ethan Piotta from Prospect Pod and then the podcast before that. I don't I don't agree with that anymore. I don't like that. I mean, I, I was wrong. I mean, that's Brandon Ingram. That's Zion Williamson. That's those two stars. You don't need another guy to stop the flow of the offense like a Tyrese Maxey. You don't need Tyrese Maxey. I don't like that. I don't think he's a guy that the Pels want. And I mean, as the, as the offense continues to evolve with whatever happens with this next coach, it can grow as well. So it's BI, it's Zion. There's no need to get another shot creator. I don't think that's necessary. Uh, I mean, another name that we've talked about a lot in, in the previous draft evaluation podcast was Aaron Neesmith out of Vanderbilt. I like him a lot. He's a really good shooter. Other than that, just doesn't really have a high ceiling. And I mean, you can never have enough shooters. That's another quote from Antonio Daniels, this last podcast. You never have enough shooters. So if the Pels, for whatever reason, think that they or make a move or whatever and, and he's the best available player, would not be upset with them grabbing him either. So, yeah, I mean, there's other options. You know, trade the pick and acquire some solid vets. I got called Dell Demps the other day for doing that by Preston Ellis, so not a fan of that. Maybe not a good idea. <laughs> Anything that's in reference to Dell Demps, I should, you know, be gone, Satan! You know, I mean, uh, that might be a stretch. But, hey, the Pels just got to find solid pieces to build around their young core and go forward. And if that's through the draft, if they believe they can do that through the draft, they believe that that is the cornerstone for, for going forward with this team by all means. But there are some pieces out there that you can definitely go out and get and improve immediately. But I understand if they decide to go through the draft, I think with those 39, 42, 
and 60 picks, you've got to package those and move up or package them and get something else because you're just not going to get a ton of value there. You're just not. At least immediate value. Could we get a shock and get a Draymond Green? That'd be dope. Do I think it's going to happen? Probably not. It's very it's very unlikely, and uh, it's not necessarily worth it for the Pels to say, eh, we're going to hold on to these. I'd be pretty surprised if that happens. David Griffin is, is pretty good at taking those picks and, and moving forward, and, I mean, we know that. We, we saw that last year with their move with Atlanta to get the 10 and a couple other picks that turned into Jackson Hayes and Nikhil Alexander-Walker and Didi Luzada, I believe. I'm pretty sure they got all three of those guys from that trade. So Griff is, is going to handle this well. He's going to figure out a way to get as much value as he possibly can out of this year's NBA draft. Now, you heard me just a second ago make reference to that last podcast with Ethan Piotta. He will be joining us again on Wednesday. Very excited. Ethan's really, really good at what he, what he does. The prospect pod that he hosts is rolling, gets a ton of lessons, gets a ton of traction on Twitter. He's a young guy, but he's really good at what he does. And, and he's, he's been in the game for a little while now, and he's just been crushing it. So we're very excited to have Ethan back. He's also a writer for Overtime Heroic. So he's been doing a lot of good stuff for a long time. And if you missed this last podcast, I would highly recommend that you go listen to it. The AD one, obviously, but this last one that, that we had with Ethan Piotta. He was originally our most listened to podcast ever. Um, and he just does really good stuff. He's very comfortable on the mic and he knows what he's talking about. You can check out his podcast. In the meantime, it's Prospect Pod on every single platform that you listen to podcasts. Before you go, Pels fans, go give at Elliot Clough a follow on Twitter. You're going to be getting all the Pelicans content there. And if you have any questions, any thoughts, concerns, you can always respond to any of my tweets and we'll be getting back to you over there. We'll also be responding to you here on the podcast like we always do. And while you're here on Apple Podcasts, subscribe and leave a rate and review. Do it! That really, really helps us out. And again, if you're listening on any other platform, go ahead and subscribe and or follow and leave a rate or review if you're given the option to do so. Go follow Believe on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook and check out a plethora of their other podcasts on Believe.com or just head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, or wherever you're listening to this podcast right now. You can check out more Pelicans coverage on SB Nation's The Bird Rights. That will include work from former guests like Preston Ellis, Ollie Cosell, Chris Connor, Kevin Berrios, and David Grubb. Pels fans, do not forget, go follow at Elliot Club on Twitter and leave that rate and review and subscribe and all that good stuff like that. So once again, I am Elliot Clough, and this was Believe in the New Orleans Pelicans. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile, and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.